I'm glad to be with you here this morning and talk with you a little bit more about this pay it forward idea. So uh, you met my wife a little bit earlier in the service, Charlotte Wilson. She's our uh, children's ministry pastor. She hosted the service today and welcomed you into the room and online. And uh, between her and I, we have two children. We have uh, two sons. One of them's about to be 27 years old here in a month or two. And our youngest one turned 22 a month ago. And so uh, we have loved our boys and having them in our lives. And um, years ago, when, the, when my sons were still very, very young, in fact, David may have still been in diapers. And um, I was having lunch with two really, really good friends of mine. And um, these are two guys that I really admire a lot for a lot of different reasons. They, um, they're, they're really wonderful husbands to their wives. Um, they are very engaged in the lives of their children as dads, uh, both of them very godly men, very wise people. And so I just always enjoy being around them. So we were having lunch together, the three of us. Um, their children were a little bit um, further down the road than mine were. I still, again, mine were pretty young. Um, so they had a few more years of experience as being dads than I did. But we were having this conversation and somewhere in the conversation, this idea of parenting came up. And we were talking about raising kids. I don't remember what exactly we were talking about. We were talking about raising kids. And one of my friends used a phrase that I had never heard before. And it struck me and I was very curious. And so as the conversation continued, I interrupted and I said, oh, wait a second, you just used a phrase. He, he made the statement, he says, something was not a part of his parenting strategy. And so he used this phrase, parenting strategy. And I said, I said, Don, what's a parenting strategy? And he kind of looked at me kind of cross-eyed like, how are you a father and you don't know what a parenting strategy is? And I said, okay, maybe I do. I just never have heard it this way. So tell me what it is. And essentially what he explained is that he as a father had a very intentional and a very purposeful plan for introducing his children to certain experiences that would teach them valuable lessons and virtues for life. They had a very intentional plan for developing character in the lives of his kids so that they would become these whole and healthy contributing members of society as adults. And I just had never been really um, aware that parents were being intentional about the things they wanted their children to learn. And so I said, well, like, give me an idea of like, what's a part of your parenting strategy? And these are just some examples. A parenting strategy may be, well, we, we really encourage our children to get involved in sports or to play a musical instrument. And it's not so much about sports and it's not so much about music. It's about teaching your children like how to practice something and how to stick with something when it gets really difficult. Maybe it's about learning how to be a part of a team. Maybe it's learning how to navigate winning and losing, success and failure. Maybe it's helping your children understand the, uh, the capacity to receive instructions from somebody else, like a, a coach or a teacher. So the strategy is bigger than just sports or just music. It's about teaching your children some valuable principles about the way that life works. 
Another parenting strategy may be introducing your children to people whose lives are different than their own. Charlotte and I have always impressed upon our two sons that here in Fair Oaks Ranch and Bernie and Leon Springs, we live in a bubble. And it's a bubble that not many other people in the world know or experience. That we have all sorts of advantages and opportunities and resources at our disposal, so much so that we can learn to take them for granted. But there are people in the world who live with a much greater sense of hardship and difficulty and struggle, and they don't have the same resources and advantages and opportunities that our children experience. And so a parenting strategy is how do I introduce my child to experiences outside of what they typically know so that they're familiar with it and comfortable with it so they develop a bit of empathy and concern about the larger world. Another expression of a parenting strategy is to teach your children how to handle money. And not just give them money, but let them learn how they go about earning money because that's how they'll have to get through life earning money, maybe teaching them how to set some money aside as a savings and not touch it, just to let it continue to be a resource for the future. Or maybe it's about teaching your children how to, how to experience delayed gratification, like not getting what they want immediately when they want it, but teaching them how to save the money that they earn until they have enough cash to go and buy the thing that they want, because that's such an important discipline for life, a healthy, wise kind of life. So that would be something that would be expressions. Those would be examples of a parenting strategy. And there's others, like how do you develop virtue and character and and competency and, and confidence in the life of your child? Does that make sense? So I had never heard anything about parenting strategy, but I was intrigued. And that That conversation turned something for me, and I became much more diligent and much more intentional about thinking through, what do I want my boys to become, and what could I do while they're young to introduce them to the experiences that would help them become more of what I thought a wise young man should be? Does that make sense? Okay, so now go fast, uh, rewind a few more years of that, Uh, early 90s. I'm a young pastor. I'm attending a conference for ministers and pastors at a large church in the Midwest. And um, one of the prominent pastors who was on the faculty at that particular conference, he was speaking and he used a phrase that I had never heard before. And I didn't know exactly what he meant. And And fortunately, he went on to explain what it was that he was talking about. He used this phrase, teachable point of view. I wasn't familiar with it. And basically what it is, is a teachable point of view, is that you take something that you're really good at, one of your skills or competencies, or maybe if it's something that you believe and understand to be true, and then developing a certain philosophy around that skill or around that belief, developing some principles and practices that are essential to doing it in a way that you could teach it to other people who might be interested. So if you're really good at something, a teachable point of view is understanding what are the disciplines, what are the practices, what are the principles that make up this skill to the point that I understand it enough that I could explain it to somebody who's never done it before. Make sense? Okay, so we have parenting strategy, we have teachable point of view. And those two ideas 
all fall up under a single concept, a concept that I want to talk with you about today. See, here's what I know, is that everybody in the room, you have a set of beliefs. You have some experiences in life. You have certain set of skills. My question is, are you capable of passing on your beliefs? Are you capable of sharing your experiences? Are you, have you developed some sort of a teachable point of view or strategy for being able to teach or train somebody else in the skill that you possess? Because it is an important, important stewardship of life. Taking what you know, understand, and do and being able to pay it forward. This is something that we talk about a lot in life, but not always in ways that we understand have relevance to our lives as Christians, to the church. It's called mentoring. Today, I want to talk with you a little bit about mentoring. Now, I know what some of you may think when you hear me say, I want to talk with you about mentoring. You'll think, um, well, preacher, it's Sunday, and we're here at church. I'm not really sure what kind of spiritual or biblical relevance mentoring has to why we're here today. I get mentoring maybe in my career field. I get mentoring maybe in some other expressions or experiences in my life, but it doesn't have anything to do with my faith. And I go, you couldn't be more wrong. Because what I want you to understand is that the idea of mentoring runs all through the Bible. Mentoring as a theme, a concept, an idea is prevalent all through the New Testament, particularly as it relates to us as Christians and to us as a church. The challenge is, and why we don't recognize mentoring as being a spiritual or biblical concept, is primarily because you don't find the word in the Bible. The word mentoring doesn't occur in the Bible, but the idea, the concept of mentoring runs all through the Bible, and that's a little bit of what I wanna show you today. You guys interested? Okay, let's just for sake of review, let's do a little bit of, uh, let's talk a little bit about where we've been in the series so far. We're, we're exploring this idea of pay it forward, that in the community of faith, like a church, in a community of faith, God gave the big people, adults, the responsibility to pass their faith on to children. This is a theme that we see both in the Old Testament and New Testament, that anytime there's a community of people who have a relationship and an understanding of God, God has made it clear to those communities, the nation of Israel, the church, he's made it clear to those communities, you big people, you adults, I want you to accept the responsibility of helping your children understand the essence of our faith as Christ followers. So while this is primarily the responsibility of parents, God makes that very clear. If you've been given the gift of children, as moms and dads, it's your responsibility to see to it that your children are brought up in the instruction and an understanding of the ways of God and the ways of Jesus. But it's not solely a parent's responsibility. We've talked about this idea of it takes a village. 
The church is a village that's been given the responsibility to steward the lives of children. So the community of faith sees all children. This is very important, all children. Not just your children, but all the children that a church has the opportunity to influence in a congregation as well as in a community. The community of faith sees all children, all teens, all young adults as part of the legacy they leave for the future of the gospel, the church of tomorrow. Now, let me clarify something here. We talk about the church of tomorrow, children being the church of tomorrow. Children are the church today. They're in the church right now. They are the church as an understanding of followers of Jesus. They are the church. But here's what I want us to grasp as big people. There's going to come a day when we hand off, when we turn over the leadership direction of the church to the children of today. And my concern and my question as a pastor is that are we as adults doing a good job at equipping and preparing our children to receive the baton when we pass it on? And this is where the idea of mentoring comes in. The language of mentoring runs all throughout the New Testament. In fact, I'd say it this way. The essence of Christianity is a mentoring faith. The primary delivery method of the Christian faith is through mentorship. Now, it's not a word that we use a lot because the church, it uses a different word. It's a word we're more familiar with. You wanna know what it is? Discipleship. The church uses the word discipleship. And for some reason, we all have some sort of a frame of reference of what discipleship is, whether we've really delved into it or not. We go, oh, well, we were, we're supposed to be Jesus's disciples in the 21st century. Jesus had disciples. They were to share the message of the gospel and people who believed in that would become disciples. And here we are in the 21st century. We are disciples of Jesus. And discipleship is evidently like creating and preparing and coaching and teaching other people how to be followers of Jesus. And what you've just described is mentoring. The primary delivery method of the Christian faith is through a very active community of mentoring. So I wanna show you that I'm not just making this up. I wanna show you some verses in the scripture. If you have your Bible, um, turn with me to a great passage of scripture, the book of Ephesians. So about the middle of your New Testament, the book of Ephesians, we're gonna turn to chapter five. If you want like a single verse, to describe the life of a Christian. This, this is about as clear as it gets. Ephesians chapter five, verses one and two. Here's the essence of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Be imitators of God. That's all you have to do. You just have to imitate God. As you come to understand what God's like, he's asking you to imitate him. Be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. Why? Because that's what we learn from the example of God. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children, live a life of love, huh? Just as Christ loved us. And how much did he love us? He gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. 
That's the essence of mentorship. That's the essence. Mentorship is essentially about imitating. Somebody giving you an example to follow and you imitating that. And we're given that instructions that as Christians, we are to imitate God. We also see it in verses like this, Matthew chapter 28. Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He's meeting with his disciples. He gives them kind of the last instructions before he returns to heaven. We often call this the great commission. He's commissioning his disciples. This is the work I'm asking you to do. Go make what? Disciples, go and make other followers of Jesus. Make them of all nations. Begin by leading them to Christ and then baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, identifying them as followers of Christ. And then here it is. Teach them. Pass on the content. Model the character. Teach them how to obey everything that I, Jesus, commanded you. And I am with you always to the very end of the age as you are actively engaged in helping other people learn how to be followers of Jesus. Instructions are very clear in Ephesians chapter six. Parents, don't drive such a hard bargain for your children that you end up exasperating them. Don't set the standards of behavior so high that they can't fulfill them. Don't exasperate your children. Instead, in a very loving, supportive, encouraging environment, Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is mentorship. Parents, you have a, a, a command in the scriptures that it's your responsibility to help your children understand the practices and the principles of their faith. I, I loved it in last week's um, video that we began the service with. The Norcrosses were sharing a little of their story and, and coming to recognize that one of their daughters asked them, What's prayer? And as parents, they felt like, how is it that our daughter doesn't know what prayer is? And so they made steps. They took intentional efforts. That was a parenting strategy to get their children involved in church so that they could begin to understand the instructions and training of the Lord. How about this one? Philippians, whatever you've learned, whatever you received or heard from me or seen in me, do what with it? Practice it. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church. You've seen how I've lived my life as a devoted follower of Christ. Now I want you to put into practice the things that I've been teaching you and the things I've been modeling for you. 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's mentorship. The Apostle Paul was following the example of of Christ and how he understood the life of Christ. And, And then he was bold enough to say, hey, church, Follow my example. I'm living my life as a devoted follower of Christ. You can learn some things from me and I'm inviting you to do that. First Corinthians four, I urge you to imitate me. Again, how bold is that? The apostle Paul saying, just imitate me and you'll be ending, you'll end up acting a lot more like Jesus. Philippians chapter three, join together in following my example. The apostle Paul writes to the church of Philippi, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live like we do. This is mentoring. So I tell you this, I insist on the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So the Paul's, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. He's saying, hey, you live in a society. 
You're surrounded by a culture. You see people who don't have Christ as a part of your life, their life, and you see how they live. He says, yeah, I insist, don't live like them. The lives that they're leading, the values, the priorities, the attitudes, the habits and behaviors are inconsistent with the life that Christ has called us to. So don't live like Gentiles. He's using Gentiles to describe people who didn't have a faith in Christ. But he goes on. However, this is not the way of life you, what? You learned. Somebody was teaching this to you when you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught that with regard to the former way of living without Christ, to put off your old selfish self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in a different kind of attitudes about how you think, to put on a new self, a new creation, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So folks, these are just some sample verses where we see this theme of people passing on their faith, not only by what they taught, but how they lived. So here's what I want this church to understand. You ready? Discipleship is mentorship. If we're gonna be a church that talks about discipleship, we have to understand the idea of mentorship because here's the danger. Can I be really honest with you? No, lie to me, Paul, please. Um, Here's the honest truth. This, This is one of the dangers of church environments is that we can reduce discipleship down to sitting in a seat, listening to content delivered that I take some notes on and I accumulate information. And that has all sorts of ramifications the church becomes a spectator support, a spectator sport that really growing in my faith is just accumulating data, knowledge, facts, when that is not really spiritual growth at all. So we have to understand that if we're gonna be a church that's committed to discipling other people, growing in their faith, then we have to learn how to do life on life, interacting with each other and having a relational dynamic where one person mentors another person. That's what true discipleship is. So interesting, um, Sonia Redmond's uh, kind of a big thinker in in the area of mentoring. She writes this, Mentoring has been practiced throughout the ages, is in evident in any culture in which older, wiser members of a community guide the younger and less experienced. That's all me- mentorship is. Sometimes we get this kind of big ethereal idea of what mentoring is, and really it's very simple. It's just a person who has a little bit more experience under their belt, passing on what they've learned along the way to somebody who's new to the journey. Did you follow that? I remember a few years ago, standing on this stage in this auditorium, I had to do a really, really painful funeral service for a young man who had horrific circumstances surrounding his loss. And the thing that was so um, evident in the room that day 
is that there was a, like this whole section over here was just full of late teens, 20-somethings that had come to show his support, their support for this family and the loss of their son. And I was sitting over in my seat getting ready to start the service and God just laid on my heart, Paul, you have a room full of young people. If you do nothing today, you have to talk honestly to them. But I was 55 years old. And I remember coming up here and I, I literally almost at the neglect of the rest of the audience, I came over and I stood on this side of the stage. I said, I know, I know I'm old. You won't believe much of anything I have to tell you. But I wanna share some things with you, not because I'm smarter than you, because I'm not. What I may be is that I'm more experienced than you. You see, you're 20, I'm 55. I've just been on the road about 35 years longer than you have. I'm not saying I'm smarter, more intelligent, more capable. I'm just saying I've been at it a little bit longer. And along the way, I've learned some things. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to share three or four things that I've learned along the way that might be helpful to you considering what it is that we're all here for. And God laid on my heart, Paul, just tell them that there's always help and there's always hope. Because evidently the young man whose life we were mourning, he didn't understand that there was always help and he had lost hope. And I wanted this group of young people to understand there's always help and there's always hope. You know what that is? You know what that is? That's a teachable point of view. I've learned some things about the way life works. I was able to reduce it down to some principles and practices to be able to say to a group of people, here's a teachable point of view. There's always help, there's always hope. That's mentoring. And people have been doing it for centuries in all sorts of places in the earth. And guess what? The church is not exempt. The church as a Christian community is to be active at mentoring the older, more experienced, passing on the lessons of life to those who are just getting started on the journey. Here's what a mentor is. A mentor is a teacher, an advisor, a guide, a protector, a coach, a sponsor, Somebody who gets involved in another person's life and personally takes on a responsibility to see to it that this one person has what they need to have a successful journey. And I believe down the depths of my being, that's true of every single one of you in this room. You can mentor. And I've been doing this long enough that I know some of you are going, well, thanks for the encouragement, Paul, but uh, I, I, I don't have anything to share. I, I don't really, there's nothing I could mentor anybody about. I have one question for you. You ready? 
Are you alive? If you're in this room or online and you're still alive, you can be a mentor. And I want to show you some ways how that works. So let's take some of the mystique of mentoring and let's just take it off and show you how real and practical it is and why every one of us in this room or online, we can do it. First of all, mentoring is simply sharing your story. And if you are alive, you have a story. Maybe your story's 35 years old. Maybe your story's uh, 67 chapters long. But if you're alive, you have a story. You have some successes. You probably have some failures. You've had some heartbreaks. You've been through some hardships. Maybe you've had a dream. And you've been pursuing that dream for years. You understand a little bit about how difficult the pursuit of a dream is. Maybe you've had some disappointments in life. Maybe you've made some mistakes. Maybe you've had some accomplishments. Maybe you possess some expertise, something that you're really, really good at. All of us have a family of origin. We grew up in some sort of a familial setting. Maybe you had a mom and dad. Maybe you have a mom and a stepdad. Maybe you have a mom, a stepdad, and another stepdad. Maybe, maybe you grew up and, and you didn't have ch- uh, any parents. You, you, you were an orphan. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I've learned through the years. I know it in my own life. Your family of origin has an enormous influence on the type of person you become. All of you have some experience of education. You've been in relationships. You have regrets. You have fears. Man, I came to understand this about 10 years ago. The number of insecurities at age 50 that were continuing to cripple my life. You have some disciplines, things that you have found work for you. You have habits. You have skills. This is all a part of your story. You have something to share with other people. There's not a single one of you in this room that's exempt from having a story that you have something to share. Mentoring is modeling your character. It's just living consistently with your beliefs and allowing other people to watch. Whether it's modeling patience, you go, oh, I'm terrible with patience. I'm so impatient. Okay, you have something that other people can learn from. You have honesty, courage, responsibility, initiative, determination, empathy, compassion, kindness. This list could be, could be hundreds of words long. These are things that you and I are, the way that we live our life, the character, virtues of our behavior. And other people need to learn from us what it is to be patient or how it is to be honest or what it means to be responsible. We live in a culture right now where people don't wanna take responsibility for their own actions and behavior. We need to model this better. So mentoring is modeling your character. Mentoring is teaching your experience. You say, I just don't have any impressive experience or skills. And I go, wait a second, are you a man or a woman? That's experience. Are you a son or a daughter? That's experience. 
brother, sister, you know what is a little bit, what it's like growing up in a home with siblings, your husband, your wife, how about an employer or an employee? You've been there, you've done that, you know a little bit of how that works. Maybe you've been a teacher, maybe you've always played the role of a student. You're a coach, a player, a professional, an amateur. Maybe you spent years of your life as an unbeliever. You had questions and doubts about Jesus and putting any kind of trust in him. And you lived that way for a long time. And then God began to work in your life and your eyes opened and your ears began to hear and your heart was was ignited by this this message of love of Jesus Christ of the gospel. And and God, God worked in your heart and you became a believer. All of this is experience that you can pass on the lessons that you've learned from these experiences. Mentoring is offering your example. Model for young people what it is to be a learner. We all know what it's like to be a teenager. We remember enough about those days that sometimes as a teenager, you start to feel a little you know, cocky and confident like those old people, they don't know anything. And you can kind of shut down the capacity to learn. What if an older person shows the example of, this is what a learner looks like and how they behave. Modeling the example of being a good listener. What it is to just pitch in and help. Or how to be a leader. Not a dictator, but how to lead people by influencing them toward things that are good. How How to set the example of being a hard worker how to be an encourager. Every one of us in this room, every one of you online, we can do those kinds of things. Does that make sense? So, let me wrap up with this. I look back over my life as a child, a teenager, and a young man. And without a doubt, I can say that I have been blessed with numerous men and women who had made a spiritual investment in my life. I thank God every day for the men and the women who've been a part of my story. It's interesting. When I think through some of those particular men and women, I'll be honest with you, I don't remember exactly the things they said to me. I can't remember exactly the lessons that they taught me. I can't remember exactly the things that they did. What I do remember is them taking the time to be a part of my life and speaking into it. They were there. They were present. They were involved. Men like Ed Cook, who was my very first Sunday school teacher, who led me to Jesus. I remember Ed Cook. I remember Bill Eisel. He was my Awana leader. He made learning about Jesus and about the scriptures. He made that fun. Ed Doty was just an old, older person who sort of took me under his wing. I remember he was building a brand new house. He was in construction. He was building a brand new house for his family. And he invited me to come over and I, I wired all the electrical sockets in his kitchen. I'm pretty sure I twisted them things way too many times. It's a wonder if the house hasn't burned down. But he took me under his wing and he passed some skills on to me. Murray Ingraham, when I was a senior in high school, 
I was done with the church. I was done with the Jesus stuff. It was so boring and it didn't relate to me. And then I met this youth pastor at another church. He spoke into my life and he provided an example. I think of Chuck Gard. Chuck Gard was my high school principal. God bless that man. He was the one that had to break the news to me that I, I needed to leave school for a few days. The first kid to be suspended from my private school, that's me. And please, after the service, don't ask why, because I'm not gonna tell you. But you know, when I came back to school, Chuck Gard, still my principal. He put his arm around me and he walked me through those high school years. Last fall, I was back in Pennsylvania. I haven't seen him in over 40, well, I haven't seen him since I graduated, 40 plus years. I went back to the school where I went. He's still the principal. And I sat down in his office with him and I thanked him for putting up with my crap and walking with me and being a mentor in my life. I think of Jack Krause, seventh grade teacher. How about Mrs. Horner, Marjorie Horner? That woman issued more detention slips in my direction than one child in a lifetime should receive. Want to know why I got so much detention? Because I couldn't shut up. <laughs> You're like, oh, that makes sense. Get that now. But that woman taught, taught me a love for words and for writing. And I'm grateful for her to this day. Bob Hess, Joe Schlegel, professors in college. Ken Algina. Ken Algina was a preaching professor. And when churches would call the college ask if maybe somebody could come and preach at their church. He said, I have this sophomore. We usually only send seniors or other faculty members, but I have this sophomore. He's got a lot of promise. Can I send him? And he paved the way for what I do today. These are all men and women who mentored me. And it made an enormous difference in my life. And I've tried to pay that forward by investing in the lives of some other people along the way and teach them a little bit about what I know and what I understand and what I do. And I'll tell you, there's nothing more satisfying. And I'd like to invite every single one of you in this room to seriously consider being a mentor and the discipleship growth of the children, the students, and the young adults of this church. Never underestimate how much it means to a child or a teenager when an adult gives them time, attention, and affirmation. Most kids, most kids, they have the impression that the big people, they don't really have time or interest in them. Most little children really only think that mommy and daddy 
are really all that interested and concerned about them. And it's heartbreaking when a child grows up in a setting where they're not even sure that mommy and daddy have a concern or interest in them. And it can literally change the entire trajectory of a young person's life when somebody else who's not their mom and dad will give them time, pay them attention, offer them affirmation. And I'd like to encourage every one of us to seriously consider being a mentor in the lives of a child, a student, or a young adult at this church. And there's opportunities in our children's ministry and our student ministry just waiting for people to come and help. And I'll leave you with this. You will never... I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how many patents you have. I don't care what your title is. You will never make a greater impact on your world or leave a more significant legacy for generations to come than the investment you make in the life of a young person. Never. Anything greater than leaving your mark on the life of a small human And ask if you bow your head. I'm just gonna give you a moment. Would you, in your own words, your own way, the language that you understand, would you pray? Would you ask God to give you some guidance? on how you might be a mentor in the life of just one child. God, I stand here today humbled and grateful. For the men and women that you so graciously brought into the path of my life. They're part of my story. Thank you for their love, their attention their involvement, them graciously just sharing of themselves in a way that I could see both in what they had to say and how they lived their life, some valuable, valuable lessons that have shaped me to this day. God, I pray that in the legacy of Cibolo Creek Community Church, for years and years to come, there'll literally be hundreds of children and students who could name some names of some men and women who made an investment in their life and in their faith because they were a part of a church that understood that discipleship is mentorship.
May we live this truth, not just talk about it. Pray and ask in the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.